Good morning, everybody. You are an amazing church. This is amazing. I, I was, I'm blown away to see how many people are filling up the room. It's just been doubled, and this is really exciting. Um, I'm trusting God that as a church, you're going to experience the power of God, that there's going to be an outpouring over your lives, over this community, over this church. And, and I was just thinking about it now during worship. What, what is this town known for? What is Richards Bay what is the reputation of Richards Bay? And I didn't really know much about Richards Bay at all. We'd never really been here. And I felt as I'm preaching, I'm trusting God there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. So people are going to know this town, not because it's beautiful or the water or because of the industrial area or because of the engineers. It's going to be known because of the presence and the power of God manifest in the earth. So I'm trusting God that this is not just going to be a, you know, another message that you hear. It's going to stir something in your hearts. So years ago, my wife and I did a course called The Way of the Master. Has anyone ever done the course The Way of the Master? So we are the, oh, okay, so you're also a black belt ninja. Um, so, so we did this course. It, it sounds like that. It sounds like some sort of kung fu course, but it's actually a course on how to share your faith. And it goes along the lines of this. You'll go up to somebody and you'll say, have you ever, have you ever lied? And the person will say, oh, yes, no, of course I've lied. You know, maybe it was a small lie when I was younger. Have you ever stolen anything? Oh, well, no, I've never stolen anything. Well, you just told me you were a liar. Okay, yes, maybe I've just, I've stolen one thing. Um, have you ever looked at a person with lust? Because the Bible says, if you look at a person with lust, it's the same as committing adultery in your heart. And then the person's like, well, obviously, yes, I've, oh, thank you very much. I have looked at a person like that, that way. Have you ever been so angry with somebody that you, have you ever been furious? Because that's the same as murder in the, in the eyes of God, according to scripture. So then you basically walk them through. At the end of it, you say, according to your own confession, because they're agreeing to this, you're lying, thieving, murdering adultery in your heart, right? So what a way to win a person over. And, and in that moment, they'll be like, yeah, but you know, like, you know, that's everybody. And, and, and then you say to them, well, if you stood before God today on the day of judgment, or today was a day of judgment, you stood before God, are you innocent or guilty? And most people would say, well, I think I'm innocent because God's a good God and he's loving. And then you say, well, you've actually broken another one of the Ten Commandments, which is you've created a God in your head that suits your lifestyle, as opposed to God, the God of the Bible. And I remember we did this course, and Paul and I were these young, passionate, fired-up Christians. Now we're just also young, passionate, fired-up Christians. And, and what we, we were in London. And I remember I was waiting for Paul, I was Wimbledon or somewhere, I can't remember exactly. And there was this guy standing around, so I thought, let me just go chat to him. So I started the conversation. I said, hey, can I chat to you about a few things? And this guy was arrogant. He said to me, oh, you're going to tell me about Jesus, you know, and he was all, like he was in my face. And I thought, oh, this is going to be hard. And I started, I said to him, look, have you ever lied? He's like, yeah, but you've lied too. I said, no, absolutely, (laughs) I've lied. Have you ever stolen anything? And he was, he was, he was really tough. And I remember as I was speaking to him, I watched, there was something that was happening. And then I said, if you stood before God, according to your own confession, you're lying, lying thieving, murdering, adultery in your heart. If you stood before God on the day of judgment, are you innocent or guilty? And he said, well, if that's true, then we're all guilty. And I watched his eyes. They started to well up with tears. He went from arrogant to very soft-hearted in a moment. And he said, then we're all guilty. I said, absolutely. I'm, I'm the most guilty of all of us. I said, but there's good news. Because of your guilt, Jesus takes your place on the cross. And he burst into tears. He was crying. He was crying. And I remember standing there, I was thinking to myself, I mean, what, what now? And he said to me, then he asked me, what now? So I said, 
you, you can give your life to God. And he just, in that moment, I didn't even pray for him. He just started to pray. He said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Um, and he gave his life to Jesus. I didn't follow up. I didn't point him to a church. I said, look, connect to a church. I don't know where. I don't know London. Just find a church somewhere. But his heart went from so hard to so soft because the Holy Spirit moved and God did something in this man's life. Romans 3 verse 20 says this, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. It's not like good people. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Unless we see that we are sinners, we don't recognize our need for a savior. I trust that today God is going to open doors for you to experience the mighty hand of God, that your life will be marked by signs and wonders. Really, I'm not just saying that. That when you leave here, you're going to leave here with a revelation and understanding, your eyes open, and you are going to walk, and as you live your life, signs and wonders are going to follow you. My prayer is that God will demonstrate his power through your lives and through this church and in this community. And let me tell you, this doesn't happen by default. It's not like, well, I'm going to leave here because I've heard something and it's just going to happen. How many of us would love to have a full understanding of every good thing God has for us? Where we think, Lord, if there's more, I want it. Let's show of hands. How many of you think, Lord, I want everything you've got for me? Okay, 50% of you, that's epic. Um, so that's a pass. Um, so I think 30% is a pass. I don't know. You know where you think, Lord, I'd love a greater revelation, a greater anointing, greater influence. If that is you, if that's you saying, Lord, I want more, I'm going to tell you how to get it because there's a scripture that tells us exactly how to walk in that. It's Philemon 6, or Philemon, or Philemon, or however you want to pronounce that guy's name. I call him Philemon. Philemon 6 says this, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Why? For the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. If you want to know every good thing that God has given you, the deposit he's given you, why you were born, the purpose to release the power from God in your life, then you by default need to be sharing your faith. So as, as we share our faith with others and others share their faith with us, then what happens is we start to mature and we start to grow. And as we effectively share our faith, we see the power of God released and we realize why we were born. We realize what our purpose is. In other words, we mature and grow and strengthen our faith when we share our faith. So if you're in a place now, you say, Lord, I need more faith. Then what you've got to do is take the faith that God's given you, give it away to other people. God will multiply it back to you. That's how it works. How often have people said, you know, I just feel like I'm not growing anymore. I mean, you've probably heard somebody say that. I feel like I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. I'm not really growing anymore. When I first got saved, I had this fire and this passion and this enthusiasm and this excitement for Jesus. And now it seems to have gone away. There's no power in my life. Where is that gone? I remember when I was a young, fired-up Christian. Um, well, I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm still God-willing. Um, I, I remember I, I was speaking to a pastor and I was like, Man, I just wanted to see everybody on earth saved and see the power of God and the Holy Spirit to move. And I was in a charismatic Bible college in an Anglican church going to a Baptist Bible study, which is a very bad thing. Don't do that. Just stick in one place. And I was all enthusiastic. And I remember the pastor saying to me, he said, you're in the honeymoon phase. Don't worry, that will go away. <laughs> and I thought, how tragic is it that for some people that is their reality? They got saved. The fire of God was on them. They were so excited. And all these years later, the fire of God seems to have gone away. They've plateaued. This, the excitement for Jesus is gone. The word is dried up. So I prayed, Lord Jesus, may I never lose my passion. 
constantly restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I believe that telling people about Jesus throws logs onto the fire of our faith. And the more devoted we are to the mission, the brighter we will burn. I want to say that again. Telling people about Jesus throws logs onto the fire of our faith. And the more devoted we are to the mission, the brighter we will burn. Think about this. Salvation, and I do realize that I speak like a tobacco auctioneer. I, I, that's just how I am. I'm not, I'll try and slow it down. Salvation is the fruit of receiving a revelation of Jesus. Maturity is the fruit of sharing our revelation of Jesus. So I'm going to say that again. Salvation is the fruit of receiving a revelation of Jesus. Maturity is the fruit of sharing our revelation of Jesus. And obviously, word, worship, fellowship, and prayer are vital. They are part of an ecosystem of healthy Christian living. It's not one or the other. It's all of them. But we cannot sit here at the exclusion and embrace these things at the exclusion of taking the message beyond ourselves. When last did you tell somebody about Jesus? Invite them to church. Share your faith. Share your testimony. Um, We need to go beyond ourselves. For us to have a full understanding of every good thing God has for us, we need to be telling people about Jesus. And I know, very simple, but it's amazing how often we stop. Another question, how many of us would love to experience the power of God? Now I'm saved, I go to church, I go to life group, I go to prayer meeting, I go to the meetings, but I want to see the power of God. This is how. Acts 1 verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yes, I've been spiritful. I'm saved. And it's not so you can be like, oh, look, I've got goosebumps. Check it out. Look, I've got goosebumps now. The Spirit of God is on me. That's not the point of power. It says this. It carries on. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So according to Acts 1 verse 8, there should be something that goes on the screen. The purpose of power is proclamation. It's the purpose you will experience, the power. To proclaim simply means to announce officially or publicly. Right? My life is a public display of my passion for Jesus. We are empowered to proclaim. When we first get saved, we just want to tell the whole world about Jesus. And then we mature and we want to tell Christians how to be better Christians. Surely the more mature we are, the more passionate we are to tell other people that are not already Christians about the faith that we've got. Because I serve a, a living God. Am I the only one excited here? Or is it just that I can't see you? Um, sharing our faith keeps the fire and passion alive and releases the power of God. If you're thinking, I've plateaued, I don't feel like I'm growing, I don't feel like I'm maturing, then that's an invitation to you to share your faith because then the power will come alive again. Right? So the point of power flowing to us is so that power can flow through us. Otherwise, we just connect disconnected from the power source and we wonder why we're not seeing the power the point of power flowing to us is power flowing through us um, and so often people have replaced and the reason they're not seeing it they replaced mission with meetings and i and i'm all for meetings i love church i lead a church i believe in the meetings i believe in gathering it's a biblical call for us as long as they are equipping us for the mission and not the mission itself the goal is not to come to church. The goal is to be equipped in church to go to the world. Right? Um, so, those that are passionate about sharing their faith are more likely to have testimonies about what God is doing. There was a lady that shared yesterday. I don't know if she's here this morning. Lauren. Is it Lauren? 
just how she stepped out of her comfort zones and how she saw God move. We will see power when we step out of our comfort zones and do something. And then the next verse says this, Acts 1 verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. This is Jesus speaking. And why is this relevant? Because the last thing Jesus ever said before he left us, before he left us and empowered us with the Holy Spirit was the purpose of this message, the purpose of the power is that you will go and share your faith. Take the mission beyond yourselves. It's the purpose of power. Imagine you knew you only had one week to live and you were thinking, okay, what am I going to do? What, what, are, what is the most important thing I need to tell somebody before I go to heaven? It would be like, look, please look after my car. It was really important to me. I love, please don't forget to feed the fish. You always forget to feed the fish. Um, I think I left the iron on. Uh, you know, or the hairdryer, or the or whatever it is. Every second Sunday on our way to church, my wife has left something on that can burn the house down. But maybe, I don't know, it might be, it might not be. Um, I wish I had more money. Oh, I should have bought chairs and Tesla. Uh, don't forget to clean the pool filter. Surely the last thing we would say before we left this earth would be valuable and important. And Jesus, after living this powerful life and this incredible display of ministry, says, I'm going to save the best for last. Tell people about me. It's your mission. It's your mandate. It, it's what will release the power of God. And you as a church want to see the mighty hand of God. I believe that's going to be on the other side of you, stepping out of the boat, walking in water, and telling people about Jesus. Uh, and Jesus, um, so the two steps to life, this is two steps to, to our Christianity. Number one, receive the gospel. And if you're a Christian in the room, tick. Number two, share the gospel. I know, you're like, Tim, you're saying the same thing over and over. That's fine. How many people never get past the first step and then wonder why they are not moving forward in life? I've been a Christian for many years, full of information now, but I haven't actually experienced the mighty hand of God. I've never seen a miracle, right? Maybe God's power is in proportion to our passion to proclaim. You must eat your peas. (laughs) Maybe God's power is in proportion to our passion to proclaim. And if you're passionate about telling people about Jesus, you will experience the outworking, the passion, I mean the power of Jesus. So we, what we do is we say this, I'm standing over here in my faith and I want to get over there to the other side. So I take one step and then I complain that I'm not there. Instead of just continuing to walk out our faith, think about the benefits to sharing your faith. It keeps the gospel central to our lives and our churches. It's an expression of faith and faith pleases God. It leads us to maturity. When we go, we grow. It's an act of obedience. It helps us not to be so inward focused where our whole lives is around ourselves. It releases the power of God. It gives us purpose. It is our purpose. People get saved and set free. And God says, by my spirit, I will work through you and get the job done. We, we should be, this church, I'm trusting God, as I said, there's going to be a season of outpouring And it's going to happen not because you sit here waiting for it to happen. It's because you make it happen. You take this message, this fire beyond yourselves. And if we're honest, with all our information and revelation and knowledge and experience and maturity and exposure exposure to all these Christian things, are we living out this mandate? Are we listening to podcasts and books and stories and audible and wonderful things and Christian things all day, every day, wonderful TV channels? And are we taking anything that we're receiving beyond ourselves? Uh, I I worked out if Brent was the only Christian in the world this week. And he said, 
He came to me and he's like, hey, Tim, I want to tell you the gospel, the good news, and I recognize my need for a savior, and then I get saved. And then next week, there's two of us in church here. Brent, he's, he's the worship leader and he's the pastor. I'm the congregation. Um, so there's just the two of us. Then, then I say, oh, I need to tell somebody about Jesus. And then I invite somebody the next week, and Brent invites. So week one, just Brent is here, he's preaching, it's pretty empty. Week two, I'm in the congregation. Week three, there's three of us in the congregation. And you know where I'm going with this, the whole chess board thing. How long would it take for every human alive to be reached with the gospel if every one of us just brought one person a week? And, and starting with Brent this week, no other Christians in the world, it would take between 32 and 33 weeks. Less than eight months to reach over eight billion people. 33 weeks, and I understand there are other religions and there's spiritual opposition, and it's not easy. But imagine if it wasn't one a week. Imagine it was just one a year. Imagine right now, as I'm sharing, by God's Spirit, He puts someone on your heart, and you think, I'm stirred to reach that one colleague or friend or family member. And just one a year, this church would double every year. Just one over the year. And in 33 years, if we all did that as Christians, Jesus will return. And I would really, really appreciate that. Um, It would make everything so much easier and better. So please, guys, share your faith for my sake so I can go to heaven. Um, The power of God would be ignited. And there's not just one of us. There's millions of us around the world. And I wonder how many of the millions are just sitting, watching, and waiting Instead of going and experiencing the power of God. You have access to the power. The doors, it's there, it's open for you to walk through. Um, My heart in preparing this isn't to make anyone feel like you're failing. It's to stir you and say there's a new season. You've doubled the size of the building. Um, You can still put more, another row here, another row at the back. Stretch out and have eight services on a Sunday. (laughs) Uh, Matthew 28 verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Authority, power of God. Why? Once again, the power is attached to proclamation. Therefore, go. This is an action. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oh, but that's the pastor's job. No, it's the job of every saint, every believer. You could be the most powerful person in the church because you're walking in the authority of God. Not, not based on title or profile, based on passion for Jesus. Think about the information, the generation that we are living. They are so spiritually well-fed with all their books and podcasts and everything and all this teaching, but no exercise. And like I said, we're sharing our faith stretches the muscles of our faith, and that's how we grow. And when we are stirred to take the message outside, then we become very obsessed about what's happening inside. How many Christians are more concerned about what's happening inside the church than outside of the church? And not a rebuke. It becomes about how good were the songs today? Uh, it's about, you know, I like this one, I didn't like that one, I like this team, I like that, don't like that team. How, how exciting was the preach today? I understand you've, you've like, the, in terms of good looks and stuff, you've stepped it up today. But imagine you were like, <laughs> humility is one of my, my strengths. Um, you know, how comfortable is the venue? Now, we've expanded the building, but how comfortable is it? I liked it like this, so I don't like it like that. How good is the coffee? 
In other words, we've been given the power of God, we've been called to proclaim, and we're just sitting in a room, and then we inward focused, you know, feed me, satisfy me, entertain me, keep me happy, and that's what we want. We become spiritual consumers. What's the common denominator? God says this, I'm going to give you a message. I want you to go from here to there with the message. So M-E-S-S-A-G-E, we take one step, M, another step, E, and then we stop. And we make it all about me. And then we're like, oh, okay, Tim's come and he's motivated me. I need to go share my faith, but I don't really want to share my faith and I'm not really. So I take another step, S, and another step and I stop there. I just got a mess, right? God says, take the message to the people and then you will experience the power of God. Don't make it about me and being a spiritual consumer. Take it beyond myself and trust God to work through my life. You might be here for the very first time. Oh, no, I'm not, I won't go there yet. Um, God is there for me. That's how we can become. Church is there for me. And when we become more interested in the message for me, we don't focus on the message from me. And it's easy to get caught up in what's happening in the church and how the church is doing it. Uh, yes. When we try in our own efforts, it doesn't seem to work. So I've spoken about motivation. Now I want to talk about some myths because you might be sitting here thinking, this is great. He's speaking to the evangelists today. No. These are some of the myths around it. Remember this. It's not called the great suggestion. It's called the great commission. So God's not saying, hey, look, some of you should do this. Others shouldn't. Um, So here's some of the the myths around it. It's not my personality type. You know, power is not dependent on personality. Rather, it's released through proclamation. Scripture doesn't teach us about Jesus' personality. We don't know what Jesus' personality was like. But we do know what his character was like. Um, So... God isn't in heaven thinking, oh, I can't believe it, I made introverts. What am I going to do with those guys? I suppose they can just sit around, fill the room, um, you know, while the extroverts get the job done. And I was thinking about it like, you know, sometimes you might think, well, an extrovert will go out there. But sometimes what people really need is not somebody to tell them, but somebody to listen. And an extrovert might be good at starting a conversation, but an introvert might be good at listening to a conversation. And people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So God uses each one of us and all of us at different stages, different times, different personality types to get the job done. But he doesn't say you can hide behind your personality and do nothing. Um, Number two, I'm not adequate. God is famous for using the underdog If you knew my life story, where I came from, what I've gone through, how I used to be the most petrified, insecure public speaker, still terrified to this day, but God uses, why? Because I just say yes. Some of you just need to say yes. Make yourself available. If you just say, okay, Lord, here I am, God will use you. And we say, you know, I'm not adequate. And I'm thinking every hero of of Scripture They had fears and insecurities and issues and excuses. Yet when they said yes to Jesus, they saw the power of God. Do you want to see the power of God? I'm hoping a resounding yes. And if that is, you might need to go, okay, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to step out of my comfort zones. I'm going to trust Jesus. So our effectiveness is not based on on how great we are, but in recognition of how great God is. So God doesn't use me because I'm great. God uses me because I'm willing and available. God and, and the reason I'm willing and available, because God is great and deserves the glory. So God will use you because he is great, not because you are. Um, and, and you are awesome. <laughs> um, so how often, you know, young Christians, they're so excited, they're so passionate, they want to share their faith, forgiven much, worship much, and they rely on him. Uh, and you don't need tons of experience to see the power of God work through your life. There's a guy that used to mentor me. 
His name was um, Cliff DeGiussini. And he said he went to a meeting the one night, and this guy comes to the front. He, he get, he, it's like a, it's a crusade kind of thing. He's praying for people to be healed and saved, and he preaches. And then this guy comes afterwards, and he gives his life to Jesus, and he gets prayed for healing for something. Right? He gives his life to God that night. The next night at the crusade, he calls people up for, for prayer. While he's there, the guy that got saved and healed the night before is praying for people, and they're getting saved and healed. The very next day after he was saved, that's what I was going to say. I saw some hands go up um, for people that are here for the first time. And you might not be a Christian or you, you, know, you haven't been actively focusing on where God wants you and all that. And you can go from a place of like stepping into the kingdom today and seeing the power of God this afternoon. You don't need tons of experience. You just need to say, Lord, yes, here I am. Um, so, Revelation 11 verse, I mean 12 verse 11 And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. We have all got a testimony. And my heart is that we won't have a testimony of once when we first got saved 20 years ago. But we'll have a testimony of what God did this weekend. What God did, what God's going to do tomorrow. And then next week when we get here, what God's doing in our heart. What's God doing through our lives. The next point I want to make is this. I don't have all the answers. There's another preacher guy that says, um, Craig Rochelle, he says, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than someone who's always right. If you argue someone into Christianity, someone else will argue them out. Right? So we don't just need reason, we need revelation. So what happens is when we take our faith and obedience, God does something through us and he saves people. So the pressure is not even on us. We don't need to save people. We also don't even need to worry about God's reputation because he's big enough to handle that. All we call to do is Go. You share your faith, and God will do something with it. But if you don't share your faith, we just heard, I mean, if Lauren was here, an amazing testimony. How She just didn't have the confidence. And then when she did, she trusted God, and she felt like, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not in this space. And God worked and restored people and brought people through. It's amazing how God works if we just say yes. There's a guy in our church. His name is Safiso. He's an incredibly strong preacher. He's a He's just an anointed guy, and he says he went to church, and he sat there, and he listened to the guy preaching, and, and then he, he was like, he was challenged by the preacher, and then a couple of weeks later, he went to another church, and then he went to the front after church, and he gave his life to God, and he said, he said I have no idea what the pastor was preaching at all, had no clue, but the guy that spoke to him two weeks before that was, something was stirring in his heart. Um, so he, he didn't get saved by the guy that was preaching that morning. He got saved earlier on. And we don't know how God is using us at the time. And there's this, this, this message that I've heard, the George Street Evangelist. He used to go to people and he had the most tactless approach to evangelism, it seems. He would say, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? And he would give them a little tract. And then he would go to the next person. If you die tonight, and he promised God he would tell 20 people a day or whatever, and most or 10 people, whatever. And he tried his very best to do that every single day. And eventually this guy was at a conference and he said, oh, no, I got saved. This little guy on George Street told me about the Jesus and uh, told me about Jesus and I got saved. And he led this mission field. And then somebody else said, no, that's my story too. And then they started to trace it back to how many people were saved. And it was, it was a few hundred thousand people alive that were saved by this guy's story. Then they went to find the guy, and he was this little old man, and they knocked on the door, and he was there, and he gave them some tea, and it says he was all shaky, and they said, we just want to let you know how incredible your influence has been over the years, and he said, in all my years of ministry, I've never heard of one salvation. You might think to yourself, I'm not seeing the results. That's in God's hands. 
You just take the story out there and God will work with it. But don't say nothing because you're afraid you don't see something happen. The next one is this. I'll get to it eventually. Now there's someone, my colleague at work, they are a batter and I need to tell them about Jesus. And I'll get there eventually. A friend of mine phoned me once and said, Tim, will you come visit a security? This is, he became friends with a security guard outside the spa. And the security guard hadn't been there in two weeks. So he said to this one of the other guys, where's the security guard? And they said, no, he's in hospital. So my friend phoned me and said, let's go. And I said, okay, cool, we'll go. We'll, you know, during the week, we'll go. Uh, it was Monday. And then, and then I had a, a thing on that evening. So he said, okay, we'll go tomorrow. And then what happens is I felt convicted. I said to him, let's, let's go see the guy. So we walked around King Edward Hospital, which is, which is terrible. It's a terrible experience. And we walked around this public hospital, and we were looking for a guy that we only had a first name for. And eventually we found him, and he was a very staunch security guard, but now he was tiny. And we, we stood there and we prayed with him, and he cried, and he shared his heart, and we shared the gospel, and he gave his life to Jesus, authentic. He had such a God moment. Then the next day, my friend phoned me and said he died about an hour after we left. Imagine we said tomorrow. I'm not trying to put a heavy on you. I'm just saying this. Don't wait until people come to church because someone else told them. Just be that person. Take that message to the person. And I want to end with a message. I mean with a method. Love, lifestyle, and language. As spiritful believers... Love, lifestyle, and language. Love. Without love, we are resounding gongs. You're not called to win arguments. You're called to win souls. So trust God that he will give you. My prayer, I woke up this morning, the first thing I prayed, Lord, give me a love for the people I'm talking to. Otherwise, it's just information transfer. So I pray for love. Um, The greatest command, love God, love people. Number two is lifestyle. I remember reading this testimony. This, it was during apartheid times. It was terrible the way that it was in the story. And this lady, a Zulu lady, was walking with her son. And they were walking along the pavement. And in that time, if, if, if Zulu people were walking on the pavement and a white person was walking on the pavement, the Zulu people would step off the pavement while the white person walked past. And then they'd get back on the pavement. And this mother's walking with with her son, and then as she's as she's walking, this this man, clergyman, wearing uh, you know he's wearing those collars and that, he walks and he walks towards him. And as this lady and her son are about to jump off the pavement, he quickly jumps off the pavement and he walks past them and he greets them. He says, "Good morning, ma'am. Good morning," to the little boy, and he greets them. And he's polite and he's kind and he's loving. And then the little boy stood there and he was amazed. And he said to he said to his mother, "Who's that?" Who's that? You know, because this happened. And the mother said, that's a man of God. And then the little boy said this, when I'm older, I want to be a man of God. And that little boy turned out to be Desmond Tutu. And you think to yourself, a man that devoted his life to serving God and trying to bring some order of stability to our country through transitions and all that kind of thing. Why? Because one person used their lifestyle to share a message. Right? And you might be somebody that just goes to spa and says, good morning, ma'am, lovely to see you. How are you doing? Can I pray for you, anything? And you just, you just share something nice, you leave, and that person gets saved and God transforms. The power of God moves through them. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. I sort of don't agree with that. I think that we should be using words as well. Language is the last one. In other words, we need to be sharing our faith and our testimony. 1 Peter 3 verse 5, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer 
to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have. And right now the country can be falling apart and we are people full of hope. Because we're not reliant on the country or the government or the currency. We're reliant on Jesus Christ. He's sovereign. He's in control. And people come to us, oh, how can you be stable and hopeful? And let's give, us, give them a reason. But do this with gentleness and respect. We should be talking to people and talking to God. Prayer is essential to evangelism, to effective living in a victim. So, as spirit-filled people, we need to love God. We need to live a God-honoring lifestyle. And we need language seasoned with grace. Before I end, I was thinking, imagine Brent said this, guys, as a church, I will give you a hundred rand for every person you share your faith with, you invite to church, or you share your testimony with. No, no limit to how many you can share with. If you share with 50 this week, I'll give you 500 bucks next week. How many of us would be motivated to go and tell people about Jesus? Should we try this? <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> Um, God tells us that we are his ambassadors. The only reason that he doesn't take us to heaven right now is because we've got work to do. So sharing our faith, it's our mission. It pleases God. We store up treasures in heaven. It's how we mature. It carries eternal consequences. It's the sole purpose that Jesus went to the cross. It releases and reveals the power of God. So if we are more motivated by money or we are held back by fear, then what we need is a revelation of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. I don't want to go and tell people about Jesus for the reward. (laughs) Amen. Um, I want to see people saved. Imagine you walk past that person in heaven that was on their deathbed, but you trusted God for. And they just look at you. Thank you. Just, you know, my wife keeps reminding me, Tim, you're such a tool. Um, and, 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 And the reason is you're a tool in the hands of God. It's, you know, different tools for different purposes. But the goal is not like, oh, look how many people I saved. Thank you, Jesus, for using me of all people. And if all of us have that heart and desire, this church will experience the mighty hand of God. I end with this scripture. Mark 16, verse 20. This is you. This is what's going to happen. The followers went everywhere in the world telling people the good news. And the Lord helped them. By giving them power to do miracles, the Lord proved that their message was true. As you go from this place, you're going to just simply share your faith. And signs and wonders are going to follow your activity because God's going to prove that that message is true. We're going to go beyond the M and the E. We're going to take the message to the people. This church is going to grow. If you bring one person, just one, over the whole year, that's massive. And I was thinking, if I preach this to this incredible church, by the way, this town is amazing. Don't take it for granted. If you are taking it for granted, go live anywhere else for a little bit, and you will love this town again. It's amazing. Um, and I was thinking, but if, if one person takes the message somewhere and one person gets saved, then I've been incredibly effective this morning. But my heart is not one, is that every single one of you will be fired up. Fired up. You will not experience the power you want to experience unless you use it for what it's for, which is to share your faith. It's to take the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the fire of God will fall on every person here. I pray, Lord Jesus, that there might be people here that don't even know you, but as they give their life to you, Lord, they won't sit around waiting to be released. Lord Jesus, they will be commissioned in the moment, and they will share their faith with boldness and conviction. I pray for husbands and fathers in the room, Lord Jesus. 
that the way they demonstrate and live their life will be an expression of leadership to the rest of their family. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the moms in the room, Lord Jesus, for an incredible um, grace and strength, Lord Jesus, to be bold in their families, with their friends, in the community, in their workplaces. I thank you, Lord, for a radical impact through this church. I pray, Lord, for the fire of God to fall. We don't take this message, Lord Jesus, and just sit around in church all day waiting to be entertained. Criticizing, complaining things we don't like. Instead, Lord Jesus, we'll be so on fire. I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now, each person in this room will have a picture or a name of a person or a group that you, they will be convicted to pray for. And as they pray, as they go, as they reach, they will see how you will move. This church will grow when we start to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Be glorified, our King. Amen. For just a moment. Just before you run off, Tim, um, two things. Number one, church, God has spoken to us. He wants to reveal his mighty hand to us. And this is a huge key. We have to understand this message in the context of what God is saying to us as a church. We want to like, yes, Lord, we want to see your mighty hand. This is huge. Second thing, the engineer in me wants to measure things. And if I measure myself as an evangelist, I'm like, I want to be generous with myself and give myself a 2 out of 10. If you are 3 out of 10 or less, won't you stand with me? Just be honest. Be honest right now. If, if you would say, as an evangelist, I'm like three or lower. I mean, I'm standing like, because honestly, that's me. And it terrifies me. So, so Tim, I want you to pray one more prayer. This is an honest, I mean, look at us. Just, this, is, this is evangelist, anonymous, kind of whatever. And now here's the thing. I, I, I'm not saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to go and just share my faith with everyone. I'm saying, Lord, I want you to give me this. I want you to arrest my heart. I'm terrified. But I want you to do it like through me if I say yes, Lord. Why don't you pray a prayer for us? Come on. Father, I thank you for the people that have stood up, Lord Jesus. They might be standing up saying, they stand up to their inadequacies, Lord Jesus. But at the same time, they stand up in faith saying, Lord, your power supersedes my inabilities. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll give the people standing a radical boldness, Lord Jesus. That it'll be the quietest ones, the introverts, Lord Jesus, those that sit in the background that will see the most power flow through them because they step out in faith. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the people standing will never hide behind an excuse, but they'll have a radical boldness. I thank you, Lord, that the people sitting will be blown away by the people standing and how much you move through their lives and the power that you display through them. I thank you whether people are standing or sitting now, they're saying yes to you. It's not about a personality. It's about the power of a living God. And we stand up to a living God. I thank you, Jesus, that as we stand, as we sit, we know this. Every knee, every knee will bow. And we choose, Lord Jesus, to be used so they bow voluntarily. In Jesus' name we pray. Release your power, your fire over these people. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So why don't the rest of you stand? And if, if you're one of those who's standing now and there's not many of you, disciple us. Encourage us. Share stories because we really need to learn from you. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes just as I close in prayer. And 
And I mean, Tim's been sharing the wonder. This is why we do it, because we want to see people saved. And you might be here today, and you've heard all of this, but you're not yet saved. You haven't yet said, yes, Lord, I surrender. I need a Savior. Maybe he was sharing that, and you realize, I am a lying, thieving, adulterous. I need a Savior. We all need a Savior. And friends, every one of us have had that moment when we've bowed our knee in prayer and said, yes, Lord, will you save me? And we would love to pray with you this morning. Um, So we're going to be praying for some.